Good morning, church. Excited to get to be here with you. The, the best part of this morning is that I get to experience it all twice. And so uh, we get to do a little bit of a story form gathering is what we call it, where we have some uh, women and men who will get up here after the sermon and uh, share a little bit about what the Lord is doing in their lives. And so it's a fun and <clears throat> exciting time just to uh, see God actually uh, moving in their lives. I, they're messing with my voice a little bit, so I'm going to keep talking until they get it figured out. Although my ADHD is really going wild right now. There it is. Okay. All right. Let's, give, let's, put, our, let's put our hands together for the sound team back there. Come on. Oof. That was rough. All right. Today is a, a Sunday of celebrating, as I said, of celebrating being a story formed. And so I've given myself uh, 18 minutes uh, to teach. If I land the plane in 18 minutes, uh, don't expect it ever again. Okay. And so I need a solid 40 to 43. And y'all that are regular, uh, you know that. And so uh, we are looking at uh, being story formed. Okay. And so what does that mean? Uh, For us at Heights Community, we have a few things that we're looking for um, in your growth. And so one of the things that we're looking at Uh, One of the things that we measure, or one of the markers, as we call it, is being story-formed. We we care about tithes and offerings. Sure, that that gives a gauge of health. Uh, We care about baptisms. We want to see people come to faith. Uh, But we also want to have a a proper marker, a proper measure for what it looks like uh, to just be the church. And so one of those markers for us, one of the four, is story-formed. And what that means, then, is to be able to find Jesus in the midst of everything, uh, to find Jesus all throughout the scriptures, to, to read the Old Testament and know that the Old Testament is pointing to a very real Jesus, a very real Messiah that has come and walked out life in perfection and died a humiliating death on the cross and resurrected to new life. We also want you to be able to see Jesus in your own story. Okay, We want you to be able to look at your celebration and your suffering both and be able to find Jesus in that. And so today marks four weeks for us being in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Chapter 1, the author of Hebrews leads us to celebrate who Jesus is. The author paints this high picture of Jesus. He says some audacious things for his audience. He says Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is very God of God. He is the begotten. He says the angels spoke about him, and the prophets came, and they spoke about him. They told you that he was coming, and Jesus has also then brought purification for sins. He is the way to enter into the kingdom uh, forevermore, and Jesus is both, as of last week and the week before, Jesus is both Lord and also he is Savior. And so in that, that's a very high, a very celebratory view for who Jesus is. The problem with only having chapter one, or I would argue the problem with only living as if you have chapter one, is that you can only know Jesus in theory. You can only know Jesus out there, or Jesus in the intellect, or Jesus theologically. If you only had chapter one, you only know this Jesus that kind of exists out there in the heavens on high, full of majesty that he is. And so praise God, we have Hebrews chapter two. And the author is telling us something phenomenal about Jesus. And he goes in and he says, this Jesus is not like any of the other false gods for the author's time. This Jesus is not a Jesus like the Roman Empire would have, or is a Jesus, not like the gods that the Roman Empire would have worshipped, some God that sits up high on some temple and kind of looks down on humanity whenever he finds time. He says, no, that this Jesus right here, this Jesus that can be your Jesus, that is my Jesus, that is our Jesus, this Jesus is not just out somewhere high in theory worth celebrating, but rather he is a Jesus that comes down into humanity. 
He's a Jesus that does the unthinkable. He enters into our world. Jesus is fully God, worth celebrating, worth placing upon his throne, worth his majesty and the honor and the glory that we attest to him. And he is simultaneously fully God and fully man. He has entered in. He has come down to walk among us. Jesus experiences both celebration up high and suffering down below. And so do we. This is the story of our lives, is it not? We walk out a regular rhythm of celebration and suffering, sometimes in the same event, yes? The author uses the Old Testament to make this case. Why would he do that? Why would the author use the Old Testament, Psalm 8, to make this case? Well, because the book of Hebrews, as we have said, is written to teach you to be story-formed. The whole purpose of the book of Hebrews is written so that you might look at the Old Testament and look at the old scriptures through the lens of the cross and go, oh, that's where Jesus is. You read it in the original context and then you look at it through the lens of the gospel and you go, that's how it points to Jesus. That's how it points to my need for Jesus. This is what the author of Hebrews is doing for us all throughout the book and especially today, which is so fitting for today. He's teaching you to see Jesus. He's teaching you that Jesus is not some distant, ethereal God. He's not some Dumbledore out there in the clouds that may make an appearance one day, but he is a Jesus who enters into this world incarnate to suffer for us so that our salvation might be made perfect. Many people in the church are taught their whole lives that once you come to faith, that's when Jesus shows up. That's an inaccurate view of the gospel church. We are a story-formed People, that means when we are celebrating, there was a very real Jesus who was sitting there with you celebrating before you came to faith. And there's a very real Jesus that in the midst of your grief and suffering was sitting there with you in the midst of your grief and suffering, feeling that and experiencing that and wooing you towards him through a need that revealed you needed him. I remember being in a seminary, that's a fancy word for grad school for Jesus, and I was going to grad school for Jesus. And I remember whenever the professor first laid this out in like a, a, some class, like Grace in the Kingdom, I think is what it was called, or Grace in His Word. And he was uh, initially just setting out, like saying everything points to Jesus. God is sovereign over everything through Christ. And my first reaction, in light of my own story, was like, well, what about suffering? As you all that know my story knows a great deal of suffering in it. I said, how can Jesus be good in the midst of suffering? And as the professor got into it, he was like, everything good, everything delightful, everything worth celebrating points to someone better, to someone even uh, greater, to see someone even worth more celebration, and that is Jesus. The best day of your life is just a foreshadowing of a better day to come. And then he got into the suffering aspect, as I was hoping he would, and he started talking about race, uh, racism, or he talks about rape, or he talks about all the injustice that happened, anxiety, depression, all the things that can come because of the effects of sin. And he says, so what do we do with those? And he says, the gospel redeems those, because in the midst of suffering, it points to a need for the Messiah. So whether you were in celebration or you were in suffering class, you need Jesus. That's the point that he was making. This is also the point that he's making here in Hebrews chapter 2, being story-formed is about seeing Jesus and seeing his gospel in everything. Not in the physical things necessarily. Christ does not exist in this piece of wood, but he does exist in your lives. And if he doesn't, he most certainly can. And so the first point he has, the second point, first point is this, the first Adam. Uh, The second point is the second Adam. I got super creative there for you guys. First Adam, the second Adam. Uh, The first Adam, we'll start with that. When you're ready, I'll say ready. 
Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 is all we're going to look at today. We'll finish it up next week. Verse 5 says this, For it was not to the angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, or you could say it has been witnessed somewhere. Maybe you've heard a Southern Baptist pastor say, can I get a witness, right? He's saying, it's been told somewhere. We're about to get a witness here in a little bit, amen? Some people get up on stage. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? He's talking about Adam in the garden here initially. We want to jump to Jesus, but we can't just jump to Jesus because it sounds like him. You've got to stick with the original intent. Verse 7, you made him a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him, that's humanity, that's Adam, with glory and with honor. And you've put everything in subjection under his feet. That's under creation's feet, under Adam's feet. So he's beginning with the book of Genesis. That makes sense, doesn't it? And so the author of Hebrews is using Psalm chapter 8. That's what he's quoting here in the text. And King David has written this psalm, and it speaks to Adam being created in the garden. By extension, it speaks to Jesus, but not yet. We can't just jump to Jesus, all right? He says then, of Adam, of humanity, it was not the angels that you've given the world over to, but it was your creation. It was not the angels that you told to maintain dominion or to cultivate the land or to be fruitful and multiply. It was not the angels that you created in your image. It was man. It was Adam. It was humanity. It was us. This is us that he is talking about right now. The author of Hebrews is drawing us back into the story, right? First with the original intent, and then in a moment, he's going to hit us with some gospel application, right? This is what it looks like to be story formed. To quote, I think Tim Keller says, there's a, a moment that every pastor is looking for in a sermon. And I, I love this moment. I get to feel this moment with you where I'm like giving you information, right? And you're kind of doing like the white amen, which is like, I'm going to take a note on that. And then you take a note on that thing. And there's a, a moment though where I'm explaining the text or expositing the text for you. And then we get to Jesus and all of a sudden your pins drop. Right, because you begin to see who Jesus is and how Jesus is the fulfillment of that text. This is what he's doing here. Right now, we're taking notes, but in a minute, church, right, we're going to get to Jesus. This is what it looks like to be story formed. The author of Hebrews is quoting Psalm 8, 4 through 8. But for me to make the point I need to make, we've got to back up a little bit to Psalm 8, verse 3, which directly comes before verse 4. And so verse 3 says this in that psalm that the author is quoting. Look at this. He said, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place now, verse 4, what is man that you're mindful of him? Oh, it brings so much more depth to it, doesn't it? And the son of man that you care for him. And so as King David is pinning this, he's saying, look to the moon and look to the heavens. Look and behold the galaxy. You are worth worship. You are worth celebrating. You are worth all the majesty and all the honor. You are seated out there up high. You are deserving of that position, recognizing first God is high and lifted up. And then King David says, verse four, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? We don't jump to Jesus yet, though. You got to stay in the context. Verse five, you have made him, still talking about man, a little lower than the heavenly beings for a season. And you have crowned him, that's humanity, with glory and honor, and you have given him, that's humanity, that's us, dominion over the works of your hands, and you've put all things under his feet. The author is stating here, starting with Adam. This is the first Adam 
What is lowly humanity that you consider and care for him? How can you be so high and so worth our majesty being given to you and so worth celebration and simultaneously mindful of us who are down below? King David is recalling the Imago Dei. Maybe you've heard a couple sermons on the Imago Dei, yes? Right, he's pointing out humanity has been placed over the angels. Humanity has been given dominion over creation. All things have put under subjection to our feet. And then the author tells us, this is not how the world feels, is it? And it's not how the world feels, is it? Do you feel as if you're in total and perfect control? No. Can you conquer death? Are tornadoes still happening? Is it 22 degrees and supposed to be spring tomorrow? Right? We have no control, do we? Hebrews 2.8 then the author invites us into what we call in my world the fallen condition focus or the, the need of the text that reveals, the need the text reveals. Verse 8, putting everything in subjection under his feet, and we continue. Now, now, in putting everything in subjection to him, still talking about Adam and humanity, he left nothing outside of his control. Some might say, at present. at present. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him or to us, do we? At present, we do not feel as if we are in control, do we? At present, we do not feel as if all things, are, all things are in subjection to us. We fight for that control, but we most certainly do not have that control. Well, why? Well, because of the effects of sin. If we were to continue reading Genesis, we would get to Genesis 3, and we would see that Adam, the first Adam, the one who's a type of Christ, the one who is supposed to be the author of kind of all of creation, not that he created it, but the sustainer of all creation, fails and rebels, and he chooses himself instead of everything that God had already given him. That this first Adam leads himself and his wife to sin, and by extension, all of us are affected by that. The author is using the Psalms to teach us about ourselves. We were created to be over everything, but at present, it does not feel like that. He's creating tension in us, revealing a need for us. Then the author takes the same text, Psalm 8, and now he uses it to point to, Gen point to Jesus. All right, so he begins in the original context. He reveals a need that exists there, and then he says, oh, here's Jesus. That's what it means to be story-formed. Like, that's what I want to do every week. I want to unpack the text for you. I want to back you so deep into a corner that only the glory of Jesus himself can walk you out of it. And then when you're like, where's he at? I want to go, here he is. Boom. And you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Literally, thank you, you. I needed to get out of that corner, right? That's, that's what my aim is every week, to bring some tension to you. And so he begins with the first Adam, and then he moves us into the second Adam here, Hebrews chapter 2. 9 through 10. This is how Jesus is better than Adam. Verse 9. He said, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels. What does it say? Namely, Jesus. Now we get the gospel application. But we see him for who a little while was made lower than the angels. That's physically a little bit lower than the angels. Namely, Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So that by the grace of God, he may taste death for everyone. Oh, the author of Hebrews changes the focus here for us. And so to them and by extension to us, he's saying, you thought that Psalm 8 was just about Adam. You thought that Psalm 8 was just King David just spending some time in his journal over there. You thought that Psalm 8 just kind of revealed to you what a little bit of suffering looked like in your life. He says, no, 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 no. The Spirit knew that there was a very real Jesus who was on the way. 
that there was this real Jesus that did not exist just out there in theory to just be held high in majesty, although he is worth all that. But there is a very real Jesus that has entered into life, a Jesus who is incarnate, that is willing to suffer right beside you to make your salvation perfect and complete, that this is a God that is unlike any other God. Verse 9, he says, but we see him. Oh, I love that. But we see him when we are lacking glory. He says, but we see him whenever we are lacking honor. We see him whenever we are lacking hopelessness or experiencing suffering. As your pastor, I have to ask, in the midst of suffering, church, do you see him? Or does he just exist in theory to you out in the kingdom somewhere? He says, but we see him, the one who is high, that is willing to come down, namely Jesus. The author says, you think Adam suffered? Do you think King David suffered? And oh my gosh, did King David suffer? Do you think that you suffer? He said, do you ever feel that as if things are not the way they're supposed to be? And then he says, they're not the way things are supposed to be. We're waiting in eager anticipation for this Jesus to come back down to us, aren't we? He says, but there is one who understands that while he is high and he is crowned with glory, he is showered with honor, it is the very one who is crowned in honor and crowned in glory and lives in perfection that surrendered all of that by coming down to redeem you. That is the gospel, yes? So that he could regain, so that we could get, oh my gosh, just think about that. I know I have a time crunch, but let's just, can we just camp for a second? Second service, we'll just eat lunch together. It'll be all right. People on Facebook will just start getting off. It's fine, it's fine. Thanks for tuning in while you're there. <laughs> just think about that. Like what makes, his glo- what makes glory so sweet? What makes honor so sweet? What makes the idea of perfection so sweet? It's because it comes from the one that all of that rightfully belongs to and he willingly let go of so that we could have it. That is the gospel, right? Jesus does not exist somewhere out there. He has entered into creation. He enters into creation. Why would he do that? Why does he do that? So he could, with the sole purpose and intention of suffering. That's why. He releases his honor. He releases his glory. He lets go of his perfection, temporarily breaks relationship with the Father. Why would Jesus do that? So that we could have it. Why would Jesus leave everything that we cling to? We want honor. We want glory. We want status. We want purpose. We want all these things, the very things that Jesus surrenders in the cross so that we could be given them eternally, so we could be given them to, them, given them to us in a redemptive way. Well, Why? Why does he do that? Verse 10 tells us, says this, for it was fitting. That's like saying, for there was no other way. For this was the only option. This was the only solution. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist out there on high, and bringing many sons to glory, and bringing many, you could say daughters to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Why be brought low? Oh, so that he could resurrect and be taken back up high. That is why. Why has Jesus come down low? So that he can suffer in the cross and experience the resurrection and send us the Holy Spirit. He comes down low so that we might be lifted up high in the midst of suffering, in the midst of celebration, so that in moments of celebration, we would go, this is great. Oh my gosh, I love this birthday party. I love this anniversary. I love this thing. And yet it is woefully inadequate for what is coming. And so that in the midst of suffering, we would go, oh, my gosh, I see great um, multitude of suffering. And instead of feeling defeated, we could go, my God, we just need Christ. 
I just need Jesus. He's just pointing me to a need for Jesus. Oh, thank God he's not up there in theory somewhere, but he's down here low and sitting with me in my suffering. And then he resurrects. Why? So that in those moments, church, we can have hope. So we can know that there is resurrection hope. It is through the death of Jesus Christ that we are brought into glory. It is through the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus that salvation can be had. And profess faith in this, his life and his death and his resurrection. That is the only thing that sets us free. It is fitting that this Jesus would be the one to make salvation perfect because he's the only one who is perfect. The only way that we can be forgiven of our sins is for God to come down. And he does so through Christ. And you can know him. Uh, last week or the week before, in my missional community, my MC, had a guy come up, super smart guy. He probably just forgot more than I'll know, <laughs> than I'll learn this year. And he said, Corey, I, I, I'm an intellect, you know that. I, high theology, high view of the scriptures, very, very smart. And he goes, but whenever I'm in this foundations class with Tim Gray, he's talking about presence. How do I get into the presence of Jesus? I know all about him. How do I get into his presence? And I said, bro, you just go sit with him. Just get a journal, right? Like he's come down low so that you can sit with him. I said, you just need to look for him in everything that you do. That's what it means to be story formed. You literally go and sit with Jesus. And here's the deal, church. He'll talk to you. Right? I told someone a few months ago, they're like, hey, what does it look like to get into the presence of Jesus? And I said, dude, just go sit on the couch and don't move from your couch until you feel the weight of the cushion next to you shift. Just beg him to show up. Now, maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't, but you get the point. Just go and sit with him, right? Some of you are sitting with him for seconds in an app. You're sitting with him for minutes whenever it's convenient. For some of you in the room, he's not asking for seconds or minutes. He's asking you for hours because he's worth worship. He has come down low to be with him. You need to know Jesus up high. You need to have a grand theology and a, an incredible understanding of the scriptures. You need to know Jesus on high, but you need to see him down low. You need to get to know him down below. He is the better Adam. He is the second Adam. He brings recreation where Adam failed to bring any structure to creation. He's the better Adam that gives instead of hoarding everything that God has given. Rather, he surrenders everything that the Father has given to him. He's the better Adam. And here in Hebrews chapter 2, 7, it says it has been testified. It has been told. It has been seen. You have heard. In the New Testament, it says elsewhere you have heard of before. And so what the author here is doing is being story formed. He's saying, hey, let's look at the journal of King David. Let's sit with him in his celebration and his suffering. Let's look at him talking about what it means to be a part of creation, using Genesis to do so. And then also, let's look to and find a need in that for ourselves. It reveals we need this Jesus to come down, and then let's give you Jesus. And then he does. In this gospel application, he uses testimony to get that done. He uses the story of King David to get that done. That is what it means to be story-formed. And so what we're going to do for our gathering today is instead of me just preaching on something, which I have done, uh, we're going to actually put the text to the test. And we're going to allow some women and men to get up here and to allow us to better grow in our understanding of what it means to be story formed. We're going to allow them to get up here and just make a give a testimony as to what has happened in life, their life because of the church body and because of uh, Jesus. And so what you're called to do during this moment, hopefully you drink some coffee, is if they say something good, you say amen. If they say something mediocre, you go, oh man, almost nailed it. Amen, right? Just... <laughs> 
Just like you do me. Just show them the same love you show me. If they cry, cry. If they laugh, laugh. Just be brothers and sisters with them as they step up into the most uh, terrifying space uh, in this room. And so if we could start with Mario Ramirez, if he's in here, that would be awesome. There he is. We'll bring that baby up here. Buenos días a todos, es una alegría estar acá con ustedes, hermanos. Yo sé que hay algunos, yo sé que sí hay algunos que entienden español y en la escuela, en la secundaria o la high school estuvieron estudiando, así que espero que estén entendiendo un poco. Eh, también voy a hablar en inglés para que también los demás entiendan. So, thank you, uh, every, everyone, for having us here. Uh, this is my wife, Hilda, right there, and the kids, uh, well, the, the two of them are almost uh, sleeping, at least Jack, right here. And, uh, you know, the, the cold weather is a big difference for us, you know. <laughs> We're, we are from an uh, area that is uh, kind of like very, uh, almost uh, 70 degrees, 80 degrees all year, so you can tell. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but um, we are so grateful to the church, the high school community church, and for the, all the families that have been uh, involved, praying for us and supporting the leadership of the pastors. Uh, for allowing us to finally come after a wait of, of, of over two years. We, we were waiting, and uh, finally we are here. We landed. We've been here a month. So we are grateful. Thank you. Gracias. Gracias a Dios, porque nos ha permitido llegar. Thank you for uh, all, of, all of the leadership, the pastors, the network of uh, uh, friends, uh, uh, ministry friends. And uh, like I said, we are here to reach out to the community, the Hispanic community, we know there's uh, so many, so many people, uh, so many Spanish-speaking people uh, that have uh, come here, many of them for a long time, uh, that they have been here already, you know, uh, putting roots, but some of them are just coming, you know, uh, even crossing right now, maybe. So uh, we know that they need Jesus, they need uh, the Lord, and uh, we know that uh, they, they, uh, they, like every, every one of us at some point, were lost. And we know that the only one that can bring uh, true joy, true happiness, real answers to our lives, struggles, uh, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that's why we're here. We know that at the same time, uh, having said that, we, we know that we are not the, the most equipped, the most uh, uh, adequate, but we know that the Lord, He equips the ones He calls. He strengthens, you know, and gives, uh, will give us uh, the, um, the strength and the, the, the wisdom on how to approach the people, how to talk to them. It will give us grace, will, will give us favor. Uh, when we talk to the, to the families, the, the, the people that need, uh, need Christ, they, they need to know that the only one that can, can give them um, the, the real salvation, real hope is uh, our Lord. So that is the reason we, we came. Uh, it's been hard for a little bit for our, the kids and, and my wife. So I will just ask you to pray for them. Uh, we know that, uh, that this is a very difficult uh, situation uh, because they, uh, my wife does not speak as much English and the kids are, uh, we know they're going to learn, but for the mean, for, you know, in the meantime, it's hard for them <laughs> with the weather, you know, but we know like it's weather, uh, the, the summer is coming. So, <laughs> so hopefully we'll get to meet and to, we haven't been able to meet some of you guys, some of the families, some of the individuals here, but we hope to get to meet some more.
Uh, we're just extremely grateful for the opportunity to come here and serve. Uh, we know there's going to be a lot of challenges. Most of the people here in the community, uh, I mean the uh, Hispanic community, come from a Catholic background, just religiosity, but not really. Uh, they don't really. They don't know uh, who God is. You know who the real God is. So uh, I would just ask you to pray for us because we know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be uh, even resistant, you know, and just not wanting. But we know that's a part of the. Of the of ministry, that's you know, warfare is part of it. So we just ask you to stand with us, come alongside of us, and pray for us, as we uh, as we are also become a part of this wonderful church. And uh, we're just extremely grateful. Gracias a todos, hermanos, porque nos reciben en nombre de mi familia, en nombre también de pues allá de nosotros que venimos también de la Iglesia en México. Thank you, thank you guys for for having us here. And what, can, what else can I say? Just uh, extremely grateful for all of your life, uh, your lives and support. Gracias, hermanos. Gracias. Okay, it is the most terrifying spot in the room. <laughs> Uh, you're right. Um, I'm Marilyn Soans, and I attend the Huntsville MC. Yeah. And I have the privilege of serving in Heights Kids. You guys have amazing children. I just want you to know that. Uh, when Corey asked me to do this, I was like, he probably doesn't know how many words God has really given me. But uh, he's given me a lot. Um, but I'd like to share with you some events that's happened in my life over the last few years. Several years ago, um, my husband Jesse and I helped start a, a church that was to be our forever home church. And after a few years in, I was asked to be on staff as their children's director, uh, doing what I really truly believed was what God had called me to do. But a couple years ago, or a few years ago, the leadership of the church decided that um, I was too old. Now, let me be honest, I am old. Uh, I don't like the two part, but, um, but I am old. But instead of talking to me and asking me to step down or, or take another seat on the bus, they decided they'd just make life really rough on me. Um, so um, that's what happened. Life got really, really rough. Uh, it was probably some of the darkest times in my life. Not probably, it was the darkest times in my life. I felt so paralyzed that at different times that I, I couldn't function. I couldn't do what came pretty natural for me to do. I, I would find myself just sitting and, and saying, God, I don't understand. Um, let me leave. Let me just step out. And I don't know if you understand the, um, the peace that only comes from God when you need to you need to make moves, but I couldn't get that piece, and I really did pray for it. And uh, I received, a, you know, a lot of hurt and, and that during that time. And about 16 months ago, um, God gave me that piece, and that's why I know it's really real. Because without any, anything really happening differently, just one day as I was praying, I knew it's time. And so I retired about 16 months ago. Now, the senior pastor did come afterwards and apologize for the part that he'd played in, in the hurt that I received. 
but it still left me without a home church, without a place to serve or work, and pretty, um, pretty worthless. I remember wondering, why am I even alive? I'm old enough to die. <laughs> so just go ahead and take me. I know where I'm going. Um, so it, it really left me questioning. And then Jesse's, my husband's always been my encourager. And uh, going to church, not going to church was not an option. So we started talking about where we could go to church. And, and um, we realized there were a lot of churches that we could have gone to that um, would have been easy. You know, we could attend, we could tithe, we could serve, and then do it all over again in the next week. And, uh, and we could have lived out our life like that. But instead, um, we came to Heights and we found something different, uh, namely Jesus, but in, put in real life forms. Uh, we found out that um, it wasn't going to be easy to attend here. You guys make it tough. Okay, you really do. Because you stretch us and, and we realized right away that, that we were going to be stretched, that we were going to be encouraged to grow in our faith and be able to do things uh, in every day of our life, challenged like we'd never been challenged before. And um, that's not easy. And so that's the journey that we've started taking as obviously we've settled at Heights. You got stuck with us. Um, but uh, we, we are learning, I am learning, that to sit at the feet of Jesus and to allow him to make a difference in my life and that's not easy because with that comes the realization of how really messed up I am and how many sin, much sin is in my life and, and not, you know, just those day-by-day um, -day things, that the irritations that you have or those thoughts that go through your mind and all of those things. And it's like, oh my goodness, I, I'm way, way messed up. And, but for that... I'm so thankful to be in a church that is, is constantly challenging me to be open and to be honest about it and to be able to, to say, it's tough to grow in your faith. It's tough to realize that my actions and my attitudes are not always God-centered. Um, but as we came, Corey said, you know, we had to take six months uh, off. And Jesse and I learned to sit in church together because we hadn't had that privilege in a long time. And um, we probably spent more time in the Bible together as a couple and praying together than we ever have in our married life. And we've been married a long time. Um, probably longer than most of you are old. But, um, but that's, that, it was neat. It was really awesome. However, I will tell you, at the, towards the end of it, I thought I might die if I couldn't serve. That was just like, oh, come on. Six months is a long time just to sit. Um, so just uh, that is what God has doing in my life. He, I joined a DNA, and that's been amazing. Again, the challenge to study my Bible and, and look at it and, and just to sit with the power of the Holy Spirit and go, okay, God, help me know what this passage says and how it impacts my life. And some of the times I've told the ladies, can't write down those last two things of how I really live my life because it sounds so awful. But, but that's what it reveals to me, and that I'm thankful for. So I'm thankful um, that I've had the opportunity to um, 
deal with the hurt and the pain that I experienced and learn to trust again. And I know that's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then to give you a glimpse into what MCs are like, um, mine is amazing and it's made a difference in our life. Um, when I first walked in, again, I looked around and I thought, oh, crud, these people are young enough to be my children or maybe my grandchildren. Uh, but you know what? They accepted us, they loved us, and we didn't even have to hear any old people jokes. So that was amazing. That was the, that was the first clincher, trust me. Um, but the last month, my husband has been in the hospital, and I think everybody in our MC sent us words that they were praying for us. And, um, but, and they brought meals to us. Uh, they, there were several people that came to visit at the hospital and prayed for us. We've been in church again, let me just tell you, all our married life. And never have we been loved to this degree by any other church or any other group. That's phenomenal. That's when you realize that the church you're doing is doing church the way God intended for it to be. And... Um, so they helped, they, they did all of those things. And, you know, I like to give, uh, and I'll help you out. And if you want to eat my cooking, I'll bring you a meal. But don't do it back to me, because um, that's hard. It's very humbling to be the receiver on the line, end of gifts and things. And I realize that that's my pride. And, um, but... Anyway, RMC loved us, helped us feel loved, helped us be seen. You guys have loved us, helped us be seen. And um, we're so thankful to be a part of a church that honors Jesus to the extent that you honor Jesus and that you're there helping us as we walk through life. Some of it new ground and some of it is just ground that we've forgotten or it's not been prominent in our life. Um, but God is molding us and making us every day. And uh, it's not easy. But it is amazing what uh, Jesus is doing in our life. And thank you for letting us be a part of Heights and uh, for the part that you're playing in our life. Time for round two. <laughs> um, I had full intentions of my husband that loves to talk to everybody and that could talk to a brick wall talk, but uh, God has led me to speak. So um, we, my name's Hannah. This is Brendan. Um, we, I've been with the church for 20 years, ever since I was about three years old. Um, I had a lot of trauma that happened during my formative years, um, anxiety and depression, um, suicidal ideation, was in an abusive relationship, uh, raped, and ha also had an eating disorder. And uh, during that time, I felt like I was not poured into um, by my church. I felt like I was just a number and that I didn't matter. So um, I just didn't have anybody help guide me, you know, how to uh, seek Christ during those times. And I am also at fault. I didn't really do it either. Um, so I definitely pushed God away. Um, I usually ask God, like, why me? Why this? Why all these things at one time? Um, but that's when the Lord gave me Brendan, and I'm super blessed and thankful that uh, he brought him into my life. Um, 
then our marriage was super busy. Um, got married in 2019. We went through multiple different rounds of school, multiple different job changes, had a baby, um, and definitely lost a bunch of family members that were super close to us that really put a strain on our marriage. Um, and through this time, we just felt like we were going day in and day out and not um, pouring into each other. We weren't really plugged into church because um, he was working at a church in the time, and I just felt like it was more of a job than, you know, getting poured into, like I said. Um, so our marriage hit a brick wall about 100 miles an hour um, in December. Very On the brink of divorce, um, that's when Corey came into our home, and I was kind of not having it. <laughs> um, I was kind of, I just was like done. I was very shut off. Um, but some of the things that he said, um, I didn't really even know him at the time, um, stuck with me and really hit my heart hard. And um, he introduced us to a Christian counselor and we've been hitting that hard. And I can say that our house of our relationship was completely leveled. And now we have this strong foundation that we're building a house on together. Um, our marriage has never been stronger. I've never been happier. We've never been stronger and happier, and that's all through Christ. Um, so between, you know, Corey, the church family, um, our MC, Maple Leaf, woo! Um, I've never felt more loved and supported than I have in my entire life, especially in a church. Um, some people that I've just met one time are remembering my name, and I, you know, there's some people I've met at my old church that met them 50 times and they still couldn't remember my name or I couldn't remember theirs sometimes. Um, but this church and RMC has been such a pivotal part of our restoration of our marriage and ourselves. Um, and we can't thank RMC and our church family enough. Uh, yeah, pretty much hit all of it. Uh, I remember, I will say, I remember, um, the first time we were able to go to MC together, because um, our work schedules are kind of crazy and everything, but, uh, I, you know, I pretty much will talk to anybody, you know, it was, that wasn't a big deal for me to just, okay, let's go check this out, see what it's about, you know, and I think Hannah was a little nervous, um, and so I was just encouraging her, like, hey, I, I really think, like, really think, you know, this is going to be good for both of us, for you, you know. And so we went, and it was great, and uh, we were walking out to the car afterward, and she kind of had her head down a little bit, and I thought, uh-oh, you know, and she goes, you can say I told you so. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not going to do that, but no, it's been great, um, love, love Maple Leaf uh, MC, Love Heights, uh, we're just very blessed to be here, and, and uh, it's the work of the Lord, uh, we're grateful for His grace and mercy, and just... Uh, thankful you guys walked through the trenches with us so good morning church easier doing this a second time, I think. <laughs> There's way more of you out there. <laughs> um, my name is Laura Henry. Um, this is my husband, JC, and this is our one-month-old baby, Cade. Um, I'm going to read most of this. It's easier for me. Um, I'm going to share a story um, that really encompasses um, our journey 
And it's one of my favorites, um, talking about our walk with infertility um, and our faith. In June of 2017, JC and I were engaged. Uh, we had just moved to this area. We were living in sin together, and we were looking at buying a house. Um, we ended up buying the house from this sweet family right here in Collinsville. Um, you may know them, Corey and Andrea Johnston. <laughs> uh, we found the perfect house for us. We closed on that house on June 8th, 2017, an important date. Uh, for months, we continued to get their mail, so I would take it to their new house and um, shoot him a text. We still get their mail, and it's been years. Uh, <laughs> um, and I'd shoot them a text and tell them I'm dropping it off. Um, in December of that year, Corey responded to one of my texts by just inviting us to his church. Um, we went to the gathering at the YMCA on Christmas Eve of 2017, and we never looked back. We've been covenant members um, of Heights for several years, and we proudly call this church our home. When we bought the Johnston home, it was a part of my five-year plan. My plan was to get married that next May, have a, have a baby, and by the time that baby was ready to go to school, we were hightailing it out of Collinsville so they could be in a different school district, and we'd call another town home. It was the perfect plan I had in place and I couldn't wait to watch it all unfold. Oh, wait. Um, well, where'd my spot go? Here. <laughs> so much for being easier the second time. I know. I was so prepared. Um, let me see. Oh, here, I know what I'm doing wrong. Okay, sorry. Um, in 2022, we started our uh, journey um, with our fertility clinic. And again, on June 8th, 2022, exactly five years to the date of closing on our home, um, where, we, where I had set out that five-year plan to get out of Collinsville, uh, JC and I were at home waiting for the phone call. We got the phone call from our fertility clinic that our first round of IVF was successful, and we were pregnant. <laughs> Uh, last month, we welcomed our son, Cade Charles, into our world. Uh, the story is so moving to me just in the simple fact that my plan for our life wasn't God's plan for us. It's like he heard me talking about my five-year plan and said, actually, I'm going to give you a church, a church family, an MC, a community of believers to rally around you uh, during the hardest moments of your life and the most amazing friends you could have. And then I'll grow your family in my time. In the last year, I was one of the 14 to 15 women in this church um, that were pregnant around the same time, um, and it's just so amazing to me that in God's perfect timing, I got to walk, along uh, walk alongside these women for love and support and guidance as I entered into motherhood, um, and the same goes for JC with the group of men that led and encouraged him so well. All this to say, God intervened at the most perfect time, showing me once again Life is not always ours to plan. In the midst of so many unknowns, tears, and heartache, he was there. Corey preached a sermon a few years ago talking about how our identity will never lie in our roles as a spouse and as parents and as an employee, but only in Jesus. I kept that at the forefront of my walk in the last several years and hung on to that truth, even when I hurt so bad. My prayer throughout our journey was that his will to be done, not mine. I wanted our lives to represent what he wanted for us, even if that ultimately meant we would never grow our family in the way we imagined. 
We serve a faithful and sovereign God who only wants the absolute best things for our lives. Today, we stand up here as a family of three, and we are living proof of that. Lauren Brown. Um, I am super nervous. Um, we moved back to the area a couple years ago, and um, I'm born and raised in Atlanta, raised our family there. And um, once our kids graduated high school, my husband took a job that would require traveling. <laughs> so we, um, this is 10 years ago, so we left Atlanta, came to St. Louis in Belleville for a couple years. Um, from there, we went to Tampa and Nashville and Detroit, and now we've landed back here. So we move a lot. Typically, that's how we introduce ourselves. We're the ones that are never in the same place very long. So we got back here. We're just going to do the plug-and-play thing. You know, we've done this a lot of, a lot of times, so we're just going to get where we go, find our church, get plugged in. Um, so we started visiting Heights, my husband and I and um, decided to come to the New Covenant member class. And, um, you know, they say it's like the first date. You can, like, check out the people and see if you want to go on a second date. So um, went to the class, five hours. I had some questions at the end of class. Um, and I had met Corey a couple times, just introduced ourselves, um, but hadn't had much one-on-one -on -one time. At the end of class, I had some questions, and um, he said, oh, yeah, y'all are the ones that move a lot. And I said, yeah, that's us. And um, he said, I'll just never forget this. It stopped me in my tracks. He said, what are you running from? And my inside self was like, hold up. He don't know me like that. <laughs> and so my feathers were ruffled, and I went home. And on the way home, I'm like, I called my husband, and I'm like, you will never believe what he said. And um, so... Got home that night, was kind of processing and trying to get my blood pressure down. And um, <laughs> the Holy Spirit would not let me sleep. And I wasn't upset, I was stunned because nobody had ever asked me that question. And so the Holy Spirit kept me awake all night. And I'm like, what am I running from? Am I running? I didn't think I was. Um, so the Holy Spirit just began a real intense spiritual inventory and um, I began to realize that um, I wasn't necessarily running but um, I always had a plan with an exit strategy I was always thinking like okay we're gonna do this first and then that's how it's gonna end and then we're gonna do that again um, and so I began to realize that I was writing Lauren's story and just hoping that God would show up and pop in and you know drop a blessing off and um, I wasn't recognizing that he's the story and me submitting to whatever circumstances he brought. So um, it's been a beautifully painful past few months because God's just peeling away my layers and saying, you're not submitted to me in this area. And I didn't realize that. And so as a result of 
being here at Heights and our um, MC, it's just given me a safe place to be vulnerable and experience God in a deeper way. Um, turns out I'm not super good at vulnerability and submission. Um, so I'm just learning. I'm under construction. He has completely dismantled who I thought I was and building me to be who he says I am. So um, I always like an exit strategy, um, but yesterday my husband and I went and looked at a house and put an offer and they accepted it for a house in Collinsville. So we're trusting him so that we can put down some roots and see what God has for us um, going forward and we're trying to submit to his writing our story and recognizing him in that. So. It's awesome. People don't usually like me on the first date. That's one of the reasons. You chuckle because it's literally true. Um, thank you all for coming up for being vulnerable. I love hearing people say things like, I'm not vulnerable, I'm not transparent, while they're being vulnerable and transparent in front of hundreds of people. And so thank you for coming up, inviting us into your story. Uh, I was just want to, for the record, say anytime Heights gets an accolade, the only thing good about Heights is our pursuit of Jesus. It's the only reason we have missional community, the only reason we preach straight through the word, the only reason we have vulnerability is because of the gospel and what Christ has done uh, for us. And so he gets all the praise and honor and glory. With that being said, I got one more for you real quick if you got the time. Uh, it'll be a little bit different emotionally for you. Uh, it will be Pastor Paul uh, from Living Hope. He's going to grace us with his presence. Half of you don't even know who he is anymore, um, but he... Uh, Jeff asked him to shoot us a video, I believe, and so he uh, shot us a video, so check this out. What's going on, Hype community? This is your formal pastoral resident, Paul Fernandes. I joined you guys during COVID. Yes, COVID. I was probably the craziest person in the whole St. Clair County because I was like, the Lord is calling me to plant. And Corey and David and Jeff were like, come on in. And so I got to join you guys during COVID in your little small building. You could barely raise your hand to praise Jesus because the ceiling was so low. And yet we partnered together and you guys loved on me and cared for me during that time. I got trained and discipled by you guys and I miss you guys so much. But I want to let you know that your investment in living hope has been amazing. Let me just tell you about uh, we launched during Easter. Not only did that happen, we had three baptisms before we even launched the church, y'all. This is amazing. And it's because of your prayer. It's because of your investment. And then we also uh, were able to just love on our community in some unique ways. And that was because of you and your prayer and your giving. It's also funneled into my leadership development. I was talking with Corey and Jeff and David, and as we were talking about how can I grow more, I said, hey, seminary has always been on my heart. And because of you, I'm able to go to Grimke Seminary in Richmond, Virginia, where I'm able to get charged up. I'm able to grow in my leadership and also in my biblical literacy. So I appreciate you. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do with us together in the former years. So thank you so much for your love and for your care. Great, why don't you all stand with me as we usher in uh, communion and offering. If you'd like to give during this time financially, your tithes and offerings, you can find those in the boxes on the ends of the stage. Uh, for those of you that are in Christ, this is a meal uh, that's for you. 
And so every week we take communion together as a family. Uh, You don't have to be a covenant member to take communion, but you do need to have responded to the gospel. And so I want to give you that invitation to do so. If you're sitting here and you're sitting there and you're hearing stories up here and you find yourself or you found yourself saying, I don't know that I see Jesus the same way. I don't know if he's moving the same way in my life. I don't know that I could get up and actually make a a declaration that has to do with suffering and celebration. I would ask you to consider your relationship with him. Can you confidently say that you are, in fact, in Christ, that he is your Lord and he is your Savior, as we're seeing in the book of Hebrews? If not, now's the time. Like today's the day to say, God, I I need you. I need you not just in theory, but I do need you as Lord out there worth all praise and honor and worship. And I also need you down below as my savior. Lord, would you redeem me? We're not calling you to perfection. He's the only one that's perfect. Uh, But he is gonna call you to lay down some things that look more like you and less like him. And so maybe today's the day where you profess faith in this Jesus as we know him. Uh, And maybe today's the day, the the first day that you take communion. Uh, in the church, as a part of the church. Uh, Today can easily uh, be that day. And so communion is an opportunity for us to take Jesus in theory and put him down on the ground in reality. Uh, Communion, as you come forward here in a moment, you'll see bread, which represents Christ's body that was broken for you. And you'll see the cup that represents Christ's blood spilt for you on your behalf uh, as your substitute. And so as you come forward, you simply take a piece of bread representing his body and dip it into the cup representing his blood being spilled. And you actually get to ingest that in. There's nothing special that happens in that moment. But what happens is that the gospel becomes real. It becomes tangible. Jesus becomes something, someone that you can feel. He's not in the bread, but it's a physical interaction you get to have and you get to recall again and again. For those of you that are in Christ, I would encourage you to take this time to repent. As we sing songs, a song of confession with our hands out like this saying, we need you. Uh, Today is the day that many of you need to say, God, I've been thinking about you in theory, but I haven't been thinking about you on the ground. And I need you present. I need you. God, here's my sin. Here's where I've not looked to you in these moments. And I would encourage you to confess and then to come forward, man, and to feast uh, because the gospel is good news for those of us us in Christ. Amen. Uh, For those of you who are saints, come forward when you're ready.